lately, um, I've been reflecting on the nature of church and what we're doing here. I think, I think it's good. <clears throat> I believe every once in a while it's a good thing to kind of evaluate what you know and evaluate those sort of foundational level beliefs for the purpose of throwing out what isn't good and keeping what is. I, I, I think it's good. I think every once in a while we got to kind of take a turn and evaluate some of the things that we've held on to for so long. And most recently, I've been reflecting on the, the following question. How do we define biblical community, otherwise known as the church? Okay, that's the question that we're going to be exploring today. How do we define good biblical community, otherwise known as church, this thing that we're doing. All of you who are sitting in this room or watching the live stream, we're trying to do this thing called church. Now, I've just put some words down on paper, and I've laid out what I believe to be my best guess. And I think it's something like this. It's the, the church can be understood as an earthly expression of community springing forth from the inward and upward realization of a heavenly reality. That Father, Son, and Holy Spirit exist in perfect unity. That heavenly reality is extended to individuals through salvation. Believers then come together in celebration of this new reality, thereby creating the basis and mandate for what we know as the church. In other words, we love people because God loved us. Amen? That's a, that's a pretty reasonable expectation, I think. Yes? That we love people, we love the person on our left and on our right, in front of us and behind us, because God loved us. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. And so we adopt these things into our church and into our core values. And so this is effectively our working theory. Now the book of Acts gives us evidence that we might be on the right track with this idea, okay? So after Jesus' resurrection and eventual ascension, his followers had to figure out what to do with everything that they had seen him, like they, they saw him and, and they heard him. They, they saw him heal people and they, and, they, and they heard him say these incredible things, things that no one has ever said before. And so after Jesus is resurrected and he ascends, his followers have to, they have to do something with all of that knowledge. They have to do something with all of that information. So they, 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 the resulting movement was under siege as well because persecution, imprisonment, and execution were very real threats that they had to contend with. So as a result, a group of Jesus' followers would gather in the upper room. Now, the upper room, for those that are familiar, is the place where the Holy Spirit filled the believers, and they began to speak in other tongues. And upon hearing this, a crowd formed, marveling at what they were seeing and hearing. Seizing the opportunity, Peter, 
the very same Peter that we like to bag on all throughout the Gospels, this same Peter would address the crowd, admonishing them to believe in Jesus and join their cause. Those that accepted were baptized. And then at the end of Acts chapter 2, we see the very beginnings of what would later be understood as this expression of faith in Jesus called the church. In Acts 2, we read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So to recap, God, he fills his people. And then his people come together to form the church. Okay? You guys are smart people. I'm sure you're following along. God fills his people, and then we come together to form his church. And now today, two millennia later, the church continues on, but not without its problems. You see, in this day and age, which globalization in conjunction, in conjunction with the technological revolution, it means that we're able to hear and know what's going on all over the world. And every day we hear stories of churches dissolving, splitting, getting swept up in scandal over various moral and financial failings. And I can, I can go on and on about what other church expressions might be doing. So I think I might be better served just putting our attention back on this reality and this community. How can we build a better Biblical community. We return back to that question. To answer that question, or to begin answering that question, I want to bring us back to an earlier statement in which God fills his people and his people come together to form the church. I consider myself like a pretty handy person. I... I, I, I don't know everything, right? I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't all of a sudden build you a shed, but, but I, I think I could learn because I think I'm a pretty handy person. I know my way around a set of tools, all right? I know my, and, and you know, to me, DIY is A-okay. You know, like, I, I, I just really believe that you can make your world better by putting your hand to things. That's what I truly believe. And, and for those of us who are not, you know, gifted in that way, you know, for anybody who is all into DIY, they always say you got to start small, right? You don't take on a big project. That's not how you, that's not how you learn. That's not how you grow in your, you know, in your efforts unto the DIY world, right? Like you got to start small and slowly but surely you grow. I consider myself a handy person and I have put together enough Ikea dressers to know that the more steps there are, the easier it is to fail. Can I get an amen on that? Somebody like, I've, I have put together enough Ikea dressers and beds and, and 
and wardrobes, and I've broken enough little things to know that the more steps there are, the, more, the higher the chance of failure. To put it another way, the more parts there are, the more things there are to break. I have this one dresser. Well, I had this one dresser in my old room, and I didn't put it together right. I, like, I don't know what it was. I, I don't think the screw went in all the way in one of the, in one of the rails, and I tried. I tried for like six months after I first built the thing to fix it, to take it out and to fix it. And for whatever reason, there was always a hitch. And I just sort of said, that's how that dresser opens and closes now. You know, like I didn't know how to fix it. So I really mean like I'm a true DIYer. And then you sort of have to make do with what you get, right? But I know this, that the more steps there are, the higher the chance of failure. Or in other words, the more parts there are, the more things there are to break. So when we go back to the statement that God fills his people and, and his people come together to form the church, it might be better to examine this statement a little bit differently. And it might be better to see it another way in which I'm just going to ask that we look at this. God fills his people... And then his people come together to form a church. So when I look at this statement this way, I see two main parts. Okay? I see two main parts to the construction of this statement. That God fills his people and that his people come together to form the church. The first part of this that we need to look at is that his people come together to form the church. Because the most obvious place that people point to when churches fail is the people. The most obvious, it's the first place that people always turn to, that the people messed up. When we look at churches and their failings, whether moral or financial, it's the people who messed up. When we, when we think about leaders, when we think, up, when we think about pastors, we, we throw around these phrases like, oh, they weren't the right leader, or that's not my pastor, or they weren't properly qualified. You see, we throw these things around as if they are small little statements that have nothing to do with anybody. But no, these are big things because every time we, every time we see churches dissolve, split up, or get swept up in this controversy, the first thing that we point to is the people. So maybe it might be better to look at things a a little bit differently because from this phrase that his people come together to form the church, from this phrase we can infer a command, okay? The command that we infer from this is that his people must learn to come together. It's It's a small, it's a subtle, but it's an important shift. That it's not just that his people come together to form the church. It's that his people must learn to come together. Throughout this Lenten season, we've been going through the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. In chapter 7, Peter Scazzaro expands on the idea of becoming an emotionally mature adult. Calling upon learning new skills to love well. He writes this, we learn many skills to be competent in our careers and at school. We don't learn, however, the skills necessary to grow into an emotionally mature adult who loves well. The end result of an inability to walk out our beliefs is that our churches and relationships within the church are not qualitatively any different from the world around us. 
I want us to think about that statement that when we don't walk out our beliefs, that, that the quality of our churches, it's, it's qualitatively no different from the world and the people around us. Peter Scazzera points this idea that when we are not growing and we are not striving into becoming emotionally mature adults, that's what happens. We become like the world. That prayer that Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane in which he says, I pray for them because though they are in the world, they are not of the world. But, but yet we fail to become emotionally mature adults. So we, the church, we are in the world and then we slowly become of the world. Peter Scazzaro warns us against that reality. Emotional maturity is vital. It is vital to churches and people learning to come together. But along with emotional maturity, there is also a need for spiritual maturity. Amen? Spiritual maturity, the kind of spiritual maturity that I'm talking about, this is the kind that is tested in the red-hot crucible of life and its very present troubles. It's the kind of spiritual maturity that can look in the face of great tragedy and loss and still come out the other side, clinging to the words of Scripture that says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The kind of spiritual maturity that grasps onto consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let that perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. The kind of spiritual maturity that can hang on to, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. That kind of spiritual maturity. That kind of spiritual maturity that comes out every Wednesday and Saturday because we need to come together and pray. That kind of spiritual maturity that says, I got to be the first one in the building on church on Sunday morning. I got to be there because I need every minute that I can get. The kind of spiritual maturity that says, I can't wait any longer. I must go after it. That kind of spiritual maturity. Emotional and spiritual maturity. The church and her people must learn to come together growing in both of those realities. All of this, all of this, of course, is only, it's only possible when we remember the first, most important part of building a better biblical community. God fills his people. I probably could just stop right there. I mean, it sort of says everything I needed to say. But but God's got to fill his people. This, of course, it starts at the moment of our conversion in salvation. But for far too many of us, that's sort of where it ends, if we're honest. You see, God did not have in mind a once-in-a-blue-moon event. Rather, he had in mind that we would be in constant contact with him. Jesus himself, when you read the Gospels, Jesus himself, during his earthly ministry, he would often withdraw to private places to pray and spend time with the Father. 
So, as we did with the last part, with this statement, we can infer a command. God must fill his people continually. God must fill his people continually. Not once in a blue moon, not once in a lifetime, not once at the point of conversion, but God must fill his people continually. In the pursuit of a better biblical community, we, the people, must learn how to come together. Yes, that's true. But foundationally, and at the very start, we have to remember this one thing, that God must also fill his people continually. As I invite the praise team back up here, we're just going to respond. And again, in the pursuit of a better biblical community, I, I just offer that to you guys. And as we just transition and as we, as we turn to respond and as we, as we try, as we try to the best of our ability to be honest before God, to be honest with ourselves even, as we try to the best of our ability to to respond to him in a real authentic way, I ask you just a few questions. When was the last time you allowed the Lord to fill you? When was the last time you allowed the Lord, when was the last time you desperately sought, you desperately went after God so that he would fill you? When is the last time? in the pursuit of a better biblical community, how are you doing in the areas of emotional and spiritual maturity? Do you think church just happens? Do you think healthy churches just sort of form on their own? Or how are you doing in the area of emotional and spiritual maturity? You know, we as pastors... We love helping people in that area. We really love helping people in that area. Point them to wherever they need to be pointed to. Pray for them whenever they ask. But at a certain point, it's up to you guys. I'm just going to invite us to close our eyes and bow our heads whatever needs to be done to sort of get back to that place. The areas of emotional and spiritual maturity, those things are going to take time. And we trust that God is going to do those things. We trust that God is going to 
be real in your life and help you in those areas to help you in those places. You know, if you need counseling, you go get counseling. If you need therapy, you go get therapy. If you need to read your Bible more, read your Bible more. If you need to pray more, pray more. You see, we, we, we can't rest on our laurels anymore, church. We can't rest on the things that we've been doing and expect a different result. No, we trust and we believe, and as pastors, we even want to help you in your journey, but at a certain point, you got to go after it yourself. And we trust, I trust, that, that the people that needed to hear this message have heard it. And the people that needed to internalize these things have internalized it. So I trust that that's going to happen in time. But right now, here in this moment, what we can do is we can go after God with all sincerity and desperation and ask Him to fill us again. We can go after him with sincerity and with desperation and ask him to fill us again. I don't know when the last time it was for you. I don't know when the last time you went after the Lord like this, but today, right now, can be your moment. With, with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if it, just, just let this be your moment. If you need to repent because it's been a while, go ahead. If you don't even have the words right now, I mean, I mean, just start saying some stuff and let those things flow. Whatever it looks like, let's just go after God in this moment. Father, in this moment, I ask God to fill us. 